Destiny Church 217 Podcast. Today we're hearing from Pastor Ryan Schaefer, CFO and Associate Pastor at Destiny Church. In this message, Pastor Ryan shares the importance of being anchored in truth. Following the message, take a look at the episode description where you can find scripture references as well as helpful links to learn more about the ministry of Destiny Church. Today I was really, really... uh just very blessed to, to be able to share because this is uh, not a sermon that, oh, I got to preach this week. Let me quick write something. Uh, you'll find that if you're writing because you have to write, because you have to preach or because you have to teach, it doesn't necessarily go great. You really should be able, hopefully, to be in uh, inspiration with the Lord throughout the week, throughout every day, and hopefully, moment by moment, uh, walking with the Lord through hard seasons and good ones. But then you can share from that overflow. And I was really blessed to have uh, found myself in a season of uh, really pressing in hard. Really ultimately it comes down to discipline, instituting discipline in my life and uh, God showing up. And you know, oftentimes I find myself in discipline because of hard seasons, because I've, man, I've fallen short somewhere, I've got to get back on track. So that being said, I want to start out with a story. This is a story is important, and uh, what it is about is going fishing. Who goes fishing? Yeah, I got a couple fish. Who went fishing growing up? Yeah, okay, quite a few of you, all right. Who went fishing from a boat growing up? I still have quite a few of you, okay, good. Now, uh, you'd say, well, my dad didn't have enough money to get us a boat, or my mom, or whatever, grandpa, whoever would have gotten you the boat, to t- whoever took you fishing, you say, they just didn't have a boat. Well, I can tell you that um, it doesn't actually take very much money to get a boat. I don't know if you know this, but you can buy a boat at an auction for like 500 bucks. It's really quiet. That's, it must be first time news for you to find that out. Because when I grew up, that's all we ever had was boats. Had, they, the four digit boats really didn't happen for us. They're always three digit boats. And uh, that's just what dad did. He'd go to an auction. And if that motor started at the auction, he said, yep, we're getting that boat. We'll find out if it floats later. So all of, and my dad, listen, my dad was uh, uh, absolutely a workaholic to the max. He, I mean, literally my grandfather ultimately killed himself from working to death right up until his last days just worked to death. My dad had a full-time job as an engineer for Egg Chem, uh, which makes interrogators and rogators, if you know what those are. Uh, and then he'd come home, and we had a farm we ran, too. So as soon as Dad got Dad would leave at 5 a.m., get home at 3 in the afternoon, and then we'd work until sundown, or as long as we possibly could to get things done. So when did we go fishing? Because Saturday was not a day for cartoons. Some of you got, Saturday morning cartoons! No. 6 a.m., it was the earliest day for me. It was a 6 a.m. wake up, we'd get to the coffee shop. We'd try to be at the coffee shop by 6 a.m. To be there for an hour, yuck it up with everybody, drink some coffee, and then we're off to get work done all day Saturday because dad works a full-time job. He needs as much time to run the farm as he can on Saturday. So I'm trying to paint you a picture that the importance for me of the opportunity to possibly go fishing was huge was huge, because it didn't happen that often. But once in a while, or if dad would set aside a week, we'd go camping, we'd go to our, our, our Christian camp in Minnesota, we'd go camping, dad would hook up one of those boats that he bought for $500. And then we'd pull it up there with our $1,500 truck. And 
Now, you, exactly. You, then you'd get to the lake, and like when I was a kid, I didn't think anything of it. You know, guys would roll in with their new trucks and their new boats and take off with other new technology and fish finders. And dad would be spitting and sputtering, and that truck would just barely make it there, and then we'd just barely get it in the water. We'd hook it up, and then here's the moment of truth. Is it going to start when it's in the water? It's a mystery that they'll start out of water, but when you put them in the water, they don't start. But uh, I remember one boat in particular. This was the best boat dad bought. He may have actually paid like a thousand bucks for this boat. It was a 16-foot Lund aluminum boat. This boat sit very high out of the water. Yeah, Lund, I, I heard some positive response for Lund, yes. And uh, it had a, a Johnson Super Seahorse 45. I'll never forget it. Thought it was awesome. And it was fast enough. I mean, 16-foot uh, with that, that motor, it was, it was a good uh, boat. It was a nice boat. It was very tippy, which I loved rocking dad and getting him to yell at me because I was rocking the boat. But uh, I'll say one thing. It would fire up and get going, and we'd get across the lake, and then we'd stop to fish for a little bit, and then it would almost never start. Just never would that thing start back up. And then it'd start for like, you know, 30 seconds and then die. And that was just always. I just knew when we were going fishing, it wasn't going to go great necessarily because the boat was never going to run right. And what would happen is we'd get wherever we're at, we'd fish, because you don't necessarily, we didn't fish in the middle of the lake. We'd always, the irony of having a boat is that you leave the dock to then go near a shore to fish from the boat. It's just really something how that works. But uh, we'd do that. Then we'd go to fire up the boat, and the boat wouldn't fire up. And all of a sudden, Dad would have to pop the cover off, and he'd be wrenching on it, and we'd be doing whatever. And slowly but surely, on a lake, guess what? You just keep moving, don't you? And all of a sudden, we're running into the shore. And the boat's banging on this. And now Dad's panicking because the boat's banging on a, we're never going to get out of here. We're going to get hung up. And he'd get all, oh, it was great. He'd get so upset. It was, it was awesome. My dad is not like a, my dad's not an angry person at all. So when you'd see him upset about stuff like that, it was just funny because you, you didn't see it very often. And he wasn't upset at me. He was upset at the situation. So uh, what we found is that uh, when that boat doesn't work, we need to throw out an anchor right away. Right? So we, of course, uh, initially when we bought that boat, I don't remember it even having an anchor. And I remember at one point we were in Alexandria, Minnesota, which had a Walmart. So we stopped at the Walmart and bought just an anchor real quick. And it was definitely the cheapest one. There's no doubts about that. It was, and the only thing about anchors, it, it, they don't necessarily become more luxurious the more expensive they are. They become larger the more expensive they are. So what did we buy? The smallest one because it's an anchor. That's all you need. It's a small enough boat, Dad thought. So we'd throw that anchor out and then start wrenching on the boat just to get the thing going again. But I found that on very windy days, that boat sits very high out of the water, and it's kind of a bit of a sail. And even that small anchor just wouldn't do it. It would not cut it on a windy day. You would find your boat was still moving. Now, we weren't hooked on it. It's just muddy, muddy Minnesota lakes. There's quite a few of those. And uh, you just kept moving. It was like, what was the point of this anchor, man? It is just too small. Now we got to go spend more money and get another anchor. So I found that that was applicable to me, and it's applicable to us in our life, in our walk with the Lord. I love, Vance, your testimony was so incredibly powerful. Thank you so much for being vulnerable with us and sharing some of your struggles uh, that's massive. That is, that, that is a testimony, quite literally, that inspires the saints. 
Thank you so much for doing that and not being too ashamed to say those things in front of people. So Vance talked about uh, his initial uh, struggles early in life where he knew truth, but it seemed distant. And so the more near thing was drugs and alcohol. And he could have those immediately and they could numb pain, right? So I, I call that, I, I like, for, for this analogy today, our, our story is going to be talking about being anchored in truth. And we've already been talking about anchors. And why would you need an anchor? Well, you specifically need an anchor on a windy day, on a lake anyway. There's, you know, a lake could be glass if there's no wind, and you're going to sit wherever you stop. But when the winds pick up, or if it's a windy day, you're going to start moving fast if you don't have an anchor. So I say it like this. Think about it this way. The storms of the flesh. This is the early stages in your walk with the Lord. Or perhaps you've fallen, you've backslidden and fallen back into a struggle with the flesh, some strife, uh, referencing Eric's sermon last week, some strife with the flesh. So we want to address that uh, immediately here. Why is it even a struggle? So for example, why are a couple of the examples for struggle with flesh would be pride or anger or gluttony or pornography or uh, uh, alcohol, excessive alcohol, uh, excessive smoking, um, any kind of drug, marijuana. I know that's, a, that's, a, that's one that we're like, whoa, I don't know, it seems to be. Well, I understand there's applications there, but it clearly is a mind-altering drug that you don't need because you have the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I, I, I just, again, I, I'm, I'm not trying to uh, condemn you. I want the Holy Spirit to uh, talk to you about that, and you need to talk to the Holy Spirit about that, but you have the Holy Spirit, therefore I don't need a drug to have peace of mind. So uh, that's, like I say, hot topic. But anyway, so these, I would say these are, these are directly fleshly things, right? Anger is a very fleshly thing, and that's an important one that we address as well. Gluttony literally is satisfying the flesh. So what does Scripture say? Because you have no hope without scripture. Let me just tell you right now, the, all the help programs in this world, uh, all the, the, what it, the, the, what we just referred to, psychotropics is a big thing for getting help now mentally. It's not gonna work, my friend. I don't go to the world, and as Christians, we don't go to the world to get help. We go to the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. We go to the Father to get help. That's it. So what does he say? He says, be holy as I am holy. Okay. So now when I'm struggling and I'm in the storm of the flesh and the waves are rolling at me, that doesn't really give me a lot of hope because I feel like a total loser when it says, be holy as I am holy. Who has felt like a loser when you read that scripture? Like not a winner, at least maybe you don't want to say you're a loser, but I don't feel like a winner when I feel, when I read that scripture, who has felt at one point in their life, at one point in your life, you didn't feel like a winner when you read that. Okay. That's important because that's where I found myself so often. And uh, even when I have any backslidden uh, problems, uh, I, I, f I find that. And I'm like, how in the world am I going to be holy as he is holy? This, this comes from uh, 1 Peter uh, 1. We're going to go right to verse 15. It says, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, it is referring to uh, Leviticus here, you shall be holy for I am holy. But how do I do that? He actually has already prepped us a bit about how to do that. He says in verse 13, it says, therefore, ready for this, preparing your minds for action. Oh, wow. Okay, so I need to prepare my mind. Being sober-minded, which means, hey, man, don't go to the psychotropics. That's not going to keep you sober of mind. You need to stay here and, and stay in soberness 
with the Holy Spirit. Set your hope fully on the grace that, that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Who's had a revelation of Jesus Christ? That means you have salvation, right? I hope everybody in this room has had that. Now, there's grace, as we all know. Grace is what? It is something you don't deserve. It's a power you don't deserve. Mercy is, man, I forgive you. But not only do it with grace, not only do I forgive you, but I'm going to empower you. What is he empowering us for? We, you know, this is an idea of, specifically when you struggle with the flesh, sometimes you try to use that to say, you know, uh, grace, God's going to give you. I need a lot of grace, man, because I just cannot help but get out of this sin. That is incorrect, my friend. Grace was never for you to stay in sin. Salvation pulled you out of sin and grace keeps you away from it. And that is how we use grace. We don't abuse grace by saying, I'm going to do some sinning because I know God will forgive me. Right? That's important. It's important to know that truth. You're going to see, uh, like I called this sermon, Anchored in Truth. I'm going to speak a lot of truths. If you in this room today have any habitual sin, specifically a, a very fleshly habitual sin, I need your eyes and, and mind focused right now, man. Put out the other things, get some notes, start writing these scriptures down because I, we need to give you a better anchor. Ultimately, you have a little anchor and that's why you're drifting away from the Lord. But you need to be anchored firmly. So that's why we're doing this this morning. That's where my heart is about this. Okay, so... In verse 14, it says, obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. That is, before you're saved, your, your, your former knowledge is based on what? The world and all it has to offer. What does the world tell you? What does every advertisement tell you? It's all about you, buddy. It's all about you, lady. It's all about you. You go, get that, you go get that food you want. You drive that truck you want. You get as big of a house as you want. You go, you go golfing as much as you want. It is all about you. And literally, we have built our homes for comfort, haven't we? We need a bigger home. I just think it's so funny. I have uh, four kids and a fifth on the way, and, and so many people are like, man, you're going to have to do something with that house. I'm like, I, I don't know. My, my dad was raised in a three-bedroom house with seven. He had six siblings, why do I have to have a bigger house? Well, you, they'll need their rooms. You know, they don't need their rooms. That is a first world thing that you believe. Nowhere in history has that really been true except for like palaces. Nowhere. If for thousands of years. But we believe it, don't we, as first world Americans? We need our comfort. I want to have peace and quiet in my own room. Right, because it's about you, right? The comfort's about us. Just things, I'm, I'm going to continue to reveal these things. Because uh, we just have to look at them and believe that, man, the world has indoctrinated us with comfort, specifically this first world we live in. And it's all lies. But if you want to be driven by it, there will be a cost. God says, don't, don't be conformed to those passions any longer, your former ignorance. Now, you're no longer ignorant because you've received truth. And I sure hope that you have uh, grabbed that truth as your anchor you won't be blown around then. Uh, 17, though, is going to say something really important. Uh, I'm going to find this, or I'm going to push this to you as of the utmost importance as a first world Christian. Uh, if, you can, if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear. What? 
He's talking about the fear of the Lord right now. He's talking about what is the fear of the Lord? It's awe and respect. The fear of the Lord is not, I'm afraid of God. You want to know an example of when somebody was afraid of God is the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve had sinned, they were afraid. They hid from God. That is not the fear of God. The fear of the Lord here in the example that we're given is, man, I'm afraid to be apart from God. That is the worst and the most terrifying fear. Threaten my life all you want. Cut me in pieces. Uh, murder my family. But my fear is ultimately set in being separated from God. You've got to find yourself there. Because if you don't, you'll have a foot in the world and a foot in the kingdom of heaven. I love my family, man. I'd do anything to protect them. No, but you must love God more. Read the Pilgrim's Progress. You must, you must love God more. Because if you don't, your, your salvation, my friend, is going to be challenged and trialed. So let's keep moving. This sounds like a, so what, what do we say? Prepare your mind for action. Uh, set your, your, your hope fully in grace. Don't set your hope in things of this world, but in grace that you receive from your testimony. Um, uh, do not be conformed to the passions of this world and conduct yourselves with fear. So this is kind of a lot of, uh, a lot of rules, man. I don't know about this. It sounds like there's going to have to be things that happen and changes within me. Because, for example, how do I... Uh, Con, you know, no longer be conformed to what I've been taught my entire life up until I got saved. How does one do that? I'll tell you, uh, it doesn't necessarily happen overnight. Freedom can be received in a moment. I can set you free. For example, the, the country of, or the country, yes, country of Haiti. It's, it's, it's an, an island paired with what? Dominican Republic, Yes. It's, I got like one person got that. All right, fair enough. Look at those two nations side by side. What's the difference? Dominican Republic is very successful. Make a lot of money there. And it's a, a very good nation, very clean, very nice. Go to Haiti. What do we know about Haiti? It's one of the worst, most dangerous countries on earth. It's bad. Poverty is extreme there. It's some of the most extreme poverty you'll see on earth. What's the difference? How did that happen? They're on the same island. Here's what happened. The Dominican Republic had almost no slaves when they received freedom. It had very few slaves. So it was already free men there. Haiti was full of slaves. They outnumbered uh, tremendously. There were 80% slaves and only 20% free men. And then they got freed. The whole country was freed. But the problem is they were never freed from their mentality of slavery. And that country is still very impoverished and, 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 and crime-ridden. We have got to be free from our former ignorance. How do we do that? Huh? I've been asking myself that for years. Who has not? Okay, come on now. I, I'm feeling this vibe that I'm like the only dude in the room that's struggling with this. How, like I have just found that, man, these fleshly desires are still here and present in my life, even though I'm a, I'm a minister of the Lord. Who, who is like, man, I got some fleshly desires that are just present that I'm wondering sometimes, what in the world, Lord? You said that I would be uh, transformed by the renewing of my mind. How is it that I'm still struggling then? Well, because I'll say for myself is that uh, my anchor wasn't very large. I knew some truth, but I didn't really bind myself to truth. So you had two minds. 
It says this, you must know truth. John 8 says what? You should know this scripture good. John 8, 32. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So I need to be set free from a slavery mentality, right? A slave to sin is what we're talking about here, right? I need you to focus on that. We need to be set free from that mentality and we need to become children of God, which means that you are a, he's the king, so you are a, Child of God, but you're a prince or a princess. You're no longer a, a, a peasant, a pauper. You now are royalty. Well, then we've got, there's got to be a big change that happens here. So this is Romans 12. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Our minds must be renewed. Um, transformed. I don't feel very Transformed. I don't want to be conformed to this world. I know I need to be transformed, but I don't feel transformed. How does my mind get renewed? It says this. I actually, I like that it says it really, really clearly here in an, in an Old Testament scripture. It says in Samuel 10, 16, it says, when the Spirit of the Lord, it says that the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you. Uh, okay, so what happened when you got saved and set free? Jesus departed earth, and he says, somebody much greater is coming in my place. It's important that I leave, that the what? Holy Spirit is going to live where? Inside you. This example I'm reading out of Samuel is, a, uh, is gonna, the, the Spirit of the Lord is going to come upon you powerfully. He's talking about anointing um, at this point here. But for you... The Spirit of the Lord is not just upon you. He's within you. And the truth, truth is now written on your heart because that's where the Holy Spirit is dwelling, right? But you have a choice because you were set free. And as a free prince or princess of the kingdom, you get decisions. You're not a slave. And that's the beauty is that we get to choose the Lord. We get to choose truth, or choose our former ignorance, <laughs> which is no longer ignorance. What's it called when it's no longer ignorance, and you go back and choose that? It's kind of stupid, right? Right? Don't beat yourself up, but that's a little bit what it does look like. So, uh, I, I'm going to read it again right here. Uh, that was uh, 10, 6. It says, when the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with him, and you will be changed into a different person. That hit me recently. That's not a thing that I knew for a long time there. Like, I maybe have heard that, but I've forgotten it. Unfortunately, the human brain works like that. And it's just like, just like scripture and truth. We're, we're, those are going to be running hand in hand today. So whenever I say truth, no, I'm referring to scripture. That's your truth. That's your anchor. But you can read, uh, for example... Vance was confirmed, and I'm very sure he knew some scripture when he was confirmed. I know in uh, Lutheran confirmation, same way, you, you, you need to learn, specifically Lutheran confirmation, I know it's a, it's a lot of scripture you're going to learn. But guess what? If you, don't, if you don't use it, you lose it. And if you don't keep on that, man, it's, you're going to forget it. It's this, this thing. So I feel like evidently I have forgotten the, man, I'm going to be changed into a different person. But then I'm like, wait a second, Lord, I don't feel like a different person. What's that about? Well, I have found that my feelings lie to me. Who else knows that truth? There's a truth. 
You f- do, do not be ruled. This is a fleshly thing. Don't be ruled by your feelings. That's your flesh. I'm not ruled by flesh. I'm ruled by spirit. You're going to see that's a, those are scriptures, man, right now I'm, I'm duking with. I was telling Miles, I was telling the guys this week too. I have found that I am now using, which is just hilarious. You guys are like, whoa, you're way behind. Uh, I found that I, I now do battle with scripture. Everybody's like, right, like that's pretty obvious. Like that's the whole, that's scripture. Isn't that what you've been taught for 20 years of your salvation? Yeah, well, I just, some of us are a little slower in the uptake and uh, it's been slow for me, but I have found that when I start struggling in the flesh, I need to know scripture that exactly attacks that struggle that I'm dealing with. I have to know how to counter those things, right? Man. That, so anyway, that's been a big deal. That's been really powerful. So I now am no longer living from my feelings and my flesh and my worries, but I live from spirit because the spirit that I live from is the spirit of God, the spirit of truth. We have something much greater, and that is an indwelling. Okay, so now we've set up kind of a, the storm of the flesh that we deal with. I want to talk about something that seems a little more innocent, and that is the storm of simply just the world. So it's very obvious when I said, hey, a storm of the flesh, uh, pornography, masturbation, pride, um, anger, gluttony, uh, uh, any overindulging really of any kind of substance at all. And those things are so obvious, aren't they? Like those are like, ooh, man, I clearly like this, this is ungodly living. Like I probably shouldn't do this anymore. Lord, help me. But it gets a little more difficult when uh, I actually like, again, I'm Vance, such a powerful word. Vance talked about, so I got sober, he says. He got sober and he started to walk out a life of sobriety. But Vance still has struggles. And now he has to stay aware of them. He could say, well, you guys, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I've arrived in my faith. I don't struggle with alcohol anymore. I have arrived. I, I'm good. I'm good to go. I'm set. Oh man, you're never set. If your heart is beating, you got a fleshly thing that you are being challenged with, <laughs> that you receive challenges from daily. But we have got to be aware of that. And I think that it's easy to not be aware of that. And so this next part I'm going to call uh, a bit of a drift because, like I said, even with, even with an anchor, it doesn't mean that you're not going to drift when that storm and that wind really picks up. We've got to be firmly held by truth. Nothing else holds us. No comfort of earth holds us. Only the comfort we receive from truth. So uh, this I'm going to call, as, as Eric, I thought, just did a, such a great job. There, there we have that passionate stage initially that we're I'm referencing last week, the marriage uh, uh, teaching. We have the passionate stage. We got, we got saved, and man, I'm excited. Then we enter that stage of strife where it's like, man, I, was ex- I got, went on an encounter, and, and God changed things for me, and, and now I've slowly drifted back kind of to this place of strife, what's going on? Well, now we need to have uh, and continue in our realization of, well, I've been freed from that, but now, wait a second, I realize that there's something else I need to deal with. Even though you may have been freed from a lot of the storm of the flesh, there's this draw, a storm of the world. What is that? It's the simple stuff. It's not, the, it's not the, these hard ones. It's the career. It's the simple, like, man, I'm just so focused on my career. My career is just, it's really important. Okay, so are you cheating on your wife? 
no, 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 no. You cheating on your husband? No, 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 no. It's just my career. Okay, okay. It's just your career. Yeah, okay. So, uh, you know, where are you at with money? Well, you know, money's a thing, but I, I love the Lord. Um, you know, uh, my house, I get really focused on that, and I'd like to get a bigger house or whatever. Hobbies, you, you, you have a lot of obsession. Now, this is not sin, is it? We're not talking about your hobby of drinking. We're talking about your hobby of golfing and how, man, every night you're, you're browsing the new set of, of clubs or, or whatever it is, fishing or shopping, whatever your thing is, these seem so innocent, don't they? If you told me you love to golf and that's the main thing you love to do in life, I would say, hey, brother, what about the Lord? Well, I love the Lord. I love the Lord. Well, how much time did you spend, you know, in prayer this week? Well, I, I don't really, you know, uh, I, it could, it's, it's, I got a full schedule, man. I work and you golf a lot. Well, yeah, but that's just to relax. I need that to relax. You know, that just helps me loosen up a little bit and just, you know, you know, that hour or two of, of TV and shows at night, I just need that to go to sleep, man. It really helps me relax and just, you know, relax my mind. Right, Th those are called binkies or nookies. You need that to go to sleep at night. If you can't say amen, say ouch. Uh-oh. God called me out on this here where it's like, hey, hey, I don't want you to always have to, I love unwinding while watching a show. And I, unfortunately, shows are extraordinarily dangerous in the modern age. Every show has an agenda of some very, very worldly thing, whatever angle you want to look at it at. And so I, I like have narrowed down to just a few movies and shows that I own. And those, I just keep rewatching them because I'm like, these are, these are the safest ones and I really like them. But even that, doesn't matter that I've created a safe environment, I'm still sucking on the nook of entertainment to relax. And as a Christian, you should say, uh-oh. That's, yeah, exactly, uh-oh. That's not good. Well, I'm not drinking, I'm not drinking anymore, man. I'm not, you know, I'm not looking at pornography anymore. I'm free from that stuff. It doesn't matter. God, God doesn't want to be number one. You get that? He wants to be everything. Because if he's number one, you got a number two. How did you like that? Hey, Hannah, like we're getting married. You're my number one girl. But man, there's some other ladies out there that I'm, you know, I'm going to pay a little attention to. But you're my number one. I love you. Okay, but who, who has not done that with the Lord? And your walk, your faith, your salvation. That was the most important thing that ever happened to you. And it continues every moment, every day to be the most important thing that is happening the latest deal online is not important. You're going to die and it's going to go away. It's going to break. I just, it's so funny. I, I really love Dewalt Tools, but I realize, uh, and I, of course, they're not Milwaukee, so they don't last as long. But uh, I, I just look at these tools, and I've burned up tools for years. I'm like, man, these things are so finicky and so fleeting. It's insanity. And hence why they're so cheap. But it, it's just, and thank God that, that I got the cheaper tools because they don't last, and that's really been revealing to me. Like, whoa. These worldly things uh, perish very quickly. So I want to focus in on that. We do not and we will not divide up our attention. Because again, shortly after dividing up your attention, even with innocent, simple stuff, like, you know, this is godly entertainment. Even if it's godly entertainment, man, if it's not getting your mind. So there are some things you can watch that are going to get your mind back on Christ and you're going to be drawn in. Okay, that's fine. But 
It has got to draw you close to the Lord. And ultimately, the best case scenario is that we spend time with God. So it says, uh, oh, I want to reference something. I was listening. I listen to scripture. I love, the, I love dramatized scripture. Gavin Tate was like, Ryan, he's like, scripture just needs to be all the time, every day, always. And he's like, so you better mix it up or that's going to get boring. So he's like, have every dramatized version and just try them all. As long as it's scripture, hit it. And so I've been doing that. And it's really interesting because I was listening in Matthew this moment, and this is for you believers right now, who uh, have, you're a, you're a very serious believer, but you're not totally sold out. Now, you can be totally sold out and even be slacking a little bit in this area. And there's a moment that, that somebody comes to Jesus and says, hey, your disciples couldn't cast out this demon. Uh, we need, I need help. And she, what does Jesus say? You wicked and perverse generation. Who's he talking about? He's talking about his disciples. He's really frustrated. So then the disciples do the wise thing, I would say. They go to him in private and say, Jesus, why couldn't we cast out that? You know, like we, we've cast out demons before. Why couldn't we cast out that demon? He says, this kind only comes out with prayer and fasting. What does that tell you? The disciples were not praying and fasting. As Christians, if you want to limit your connection with God, don't spend any time in prayer and fasting. If you want to walk with a little less power, who, who's got double hands? I want to walk with less power, Lord. Good. I got a word for you. Don't pray or fast. You'll walk with less power. You'll be less than who you were called to be. This, this is a sermon for Ryan. You, when I say you, I mean Ryan. Ryan, I, I'm not great at fasting necessarily. Um, it's convenient for me to fast. I don't have to eat breakfast, so I could fast breakfast. It's pretty, pretty meaningless, though, isn't it? And when you fast, you don't just fast thinking, I'm not eating food. I'm going to lose a, weight, a little weight. This is good stuff. No, no, no. Prayer or, or fasting says, man, I want my body to grow hungry to know that I'm that hungry for the word of God. And then, then in those moments, you say, God, more than I need to eat, I need you. This will grow you close to the Lord, and you'll live with power. But of course you don't have to because you have been given freedom, right? Because that's where love is. If there's no freedom, there's no love. If I force you to love me, it's not real love. So this is, this is what God died for. This is what he delivered us for. Okay, so I want to hit a couple of scriptures and we're going to keep moving. It says in uh, 1 Corinthians 10, you cannot drink of the cup of the Lord and, of the, and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? So if God's number one, but you got some number twos, I would argue, man, we are provoking the Lord. This is an unwise thing to do. If I got one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of heaven in my identity in Christ, it's not gonna work. The gospel I'm preaching today is a sold-out gospel. I'm sorry, this wasn't like a uh, uh, petting the cat's fur the right direction necessarily. I might be going against the fur, you know, where it makes it stand up. Uh, today is an important day for every believer in the room. If you've been struggling in, in your fleshly desires, today's your day, man. You gotta take that serious. If you have been, uh, you've been saved for years, but man, the, just the storm of life, that ever steady wind, that strong wind 
has just got me so distracted, man. I don't have free time to, to read all these books Hannah's been reading. And I don't have free time to, to pray and get in prayer. And man, I'm so exhausted by the time I come home at night, I just need to rest. Yikes. Here's why, yikes. Because you were saved and set free. Not to work yourself to death for the dollar. Challenging word today. Hey, if your career takes all your time, get a different career. Whoa, Ryan, zip it. It's my life. I am here to tell you that you can die a millionaire. You can die and have sent your... Here's another thing. I don't care about being a millionaire. I just want to supply... I want, to, I want, to, I want my kids to go to a good college. Listen, <laughs> you know what I'm about to say, which is... Your kids, your goal as a parent is to spend time with your kids and raise them in the way of the Lord so that when they're old, they don't depart from it. How do you raise kids? It's not actually so much the time spent with them, I have found. It's your actions. So if you work to death to give your kids a good life, your kids are going to see that. And they're going to see that God wasn't that important to you. You only went to church on Sunday you work throughout the week like a madman or madwoman to give them a good life. But they'll see that, man, this is what matters in life is living a good life and providing for my children. Not laying at the altar for the Lord and prayer. That stuff comes on Sundays. Uh, you know, like that. And, and now you've prepared your kids to live a less than life in salvation. Live with most of their foot in the world. So I challenge you today, I really, I got this in my heart. Some of you need a career change. Some of you have to assess your life and say, dude, I'm working for the dollar. I need to live a different life. I spend all my time driving my kids from here and there for all these events. We talked to a, a, somebody here recently and they were telling us about how they got their kid in like every single event. And their, and their kid is like, no, I don't really want to be in that event. And we were like, well, at least you get to spend some more time with them. And you know, well, she, 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 no, 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 no. I, I'm going to convince them to get into that event. Because they have a firm belief that the more things that their kids are in, the more successful their child will be. And you have been sold. That's the ignorance of the world. That's the former ignorance right there. It's not necessarily true. Your child will be successful if you show them how to pray be on your knees in hard situations. Live with a little less and worship God. Man, that was not in my sermon, just so you know. That was, that just, the Lord, I really felt like pulled me there. Okay, so I want to spend my final moments here in the fulfillment of salvation. Eric talked about fulfillment last week as well. Uh, what is that? How do we do this? Because I've been giving you a lot of like hard things, but I cannot, in, uh, rightfully so, give you all these hard challenges and then simply give you no application. The goal of everything in our life is going to be to remain in him, right? It says this in John 15. It says, remain in me and I will remain in you. This is the antidote for strife with the Lord. If you remain in him, he's priority. Not giving a good life to the kids or, or not, not, not you know, having all this free time and relaxation and entertainment. Man, we are so driven by that. Uh, and not, not even simply uh, living on this life of like, man, I've got it figured out. The Lord's so good. Right? Watch out. That's what Satan also thought. He thought he had it figured out. And that was pride. And it destroyed him, as it will destroy you too. So I really love this. Uh, here's your three applications. Number one, change is going to be a first and foremost. Works with faith. It says um, in Titus 2, 
11, it says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all. Yes and amen. Praise you, God. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled. Man, I need some self-control sometimes. That is it right there, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. We've got to deal with that insatiable desire for things of this world, and that's how we do it. So, our minds must no longer be ruled of things of this world, but be renewed to the things of the Spirit. Our habits are going to change as a testimony. See, this idea of like, hey, if, if you really take it to the extreme and, and quit your career because it's consumed your life, that's a testimony as exciting to me as Vance saying, man, I got set free from alcohol. If you get set free from a career that consumes you, I will be jumping up and down and standing like we all did at an equal rate because you've been freed from something that's taking you away from freedom, from truth, from a relationship with the Lord. I just, I, I just like you, I'm not here to settle for less. I hope you're not here to settle for less. I'm not here to settle for God being my number one, but then having other things as well. It's not going to happen. Number two, uh, godly conduct. We talked about conduct and change and, uh, and what, what, might have, what, what, what might that look like. Let's go at that. That's going to be uh, an attitude change. We're going to have gratitude is going to be a driving force, thankfulness. Uh, we're going to have humility. We're going to have compassion. Uh, here's a couple hard charges. This is a, I, want, I, want this, I hope this points out some things. Uh, these scriptures are going to help encourage you in ways to live. So you're in a room full of people. Uh, so let, we say this is the, the family of, of the Lord. Who's from a, 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 got a couple siblings? Who's got a couple siblings, right? I got a couple siblings. Guess what happens in the sibling circle? Not everybody gets along, do they? And somebody might say something hurtful, right? Right. And what do I have to do? What am I called to do? I'm called to forgive them. But if I withhold that, God cannot forgive me. That's a big moment. That's a big moment right there. Okay, so it says right here, I urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. He continues on, he says, rejoice always, give thanks in all circumstances, uh, and then I want to jump to Ephesians 4. It says, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, I, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy, worthy of the calling to which you have been called. That's a son or daughter of Christ. It's what you've been called. That's what you accepted when you accepted the blood of Jesus that washed your wool white as snow, right? That is what you accepted uh, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Man, some of you and some of you just think, Ryan, the mistakes you have made, they're just stupid, right? I won't disagree. And those things can make you angry, but we're called to love one another, to forgive each other, to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. It says down in 32, of course, I love this scripture, that's why I had to throw it in there. Be kind to one, one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as Christ, uh, as God in Christ forgave you. 
Godly conduct is a lot of love and kindness and compassion. If you find yourself being annoyed and angry and irritated, say, oh, bummer, man. Uh, This is not helpful conduct because it's not godly. I need to change my life. The only way you're going to get free from that kind of... uh, uh, a state, because I get, me and Hannah live in kind of a constant state of being annoyed because we have four kids. Now you say, well, Ryan, your kids are all gifts. Yeah, until they're all saying different things at the exact same moment and trying to outdo each other with volume so that they could be heard. Now I'm just kind of annoyed and angry because that's been happening for hours. Or last night, 2.30 a.m., Petra comes in, don't know why, and she just wants to talk and mumble and say nothing and keep you up. And you're like, hey, I got to preach tomorrow. Hey, I got to do whatever. And then, and then from 2 to 4 a.m., she comes in every 10 minutes. That is an equivalent of torture. That's a torture method <laughs> is to let somebody fall asleep for 10 minutes and then come wake them up. Look it up. It's a torture method. It really is. And man, I have to be what? Kind and selfless and, 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 and have humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another because Christ has, has been bearing with me. Let me tell you, he's long-suffering, Scripture says. And the last one we're going to hit here is um, anchoring, and this has been the premise of the whole thing, but it's our third point of remaining in him, which is going to be anchored in, anchoring ourselves in the word. So anchor yourself in the word. I really like this, Psalms 119.61. In the NLT, it said it like this, evil people try to drag me into sin, but I am firmly anchored to your instruction. The world is the evil people. Don't, I, hold on though. I want you to make sure that we get this correct. Don't go out there and be like, Oof, wickedness and evil everywhere. Have compassion on them just like Jesus did. So don't go hate the people. Hate the, the demonic principalities that are at war and are oppressing people. We hear stories, it's so interesting. We'll hear, uh, you know, I, I, don't even look them up because your, your news feed will just start destroying you with them. The evilness, um, the, the woman killed all her kids and committed suicide, or the man killed the wife, or the, the you know, and it's like, hey, hold on, that's a, that's a step past just like, hey, I had a bad day. Clearly, there's a demonic realm that wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And when you hear stories like that, don't think, man, that, that, that man's wicked. He was oppressed. He may have been possessed, but Either way, you are the light to that situation. So rather than hate the man, perhaps go to the prison and pray for him. I, I know that's a radical thing. Specifically, it'd be easy if it wasn't your kids, but what if somebody murdered my children? I have thought for long, many years what I would do to a man that murdered my children or maybe even harmed my children. And in my mind immediately was dark. I'd start at the toe with a hammer. Then I'd do all the toes. And I'd slowly work up the body with a hammer, breaking all their bones. You know what I'm saying? Like... But God says, no, you're my son. I've forgiven you much. Forgive. I say, God, that is literally impossible. Well, he says, no, it's not, because I forgave you much. And so I forgive, and he says, all wrath is mine. And let me tell you, your, your darkest fantasy of, of, of wrath is nothing in comparison to what God will do at that judgment day. That's kind of a weird thing to say amen to. I get it, but it's true, amen, which means 
Give him all your wrath and anger and all that you want to take out on people. Give it away. So John 8 says, so Jesus said, and we referenced this earlier already, but it says, so Jesus said to the Jews who had, been, who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, this is the anchor abiding in truth, you are truly my disciples. If you want to be a disciple of the Lord, spend your time in the word. I love what Aaron Dearman has been doing. Aaron Dearman has been doing what's called the Shred. If you guys remember Nathan Finocchio who visited, he has, um, he has uh, an app and uh, other social media presences where Aaron got on the app and got in the community. And, and Nathan said, let's do a Shred in January. What's the Shred? We're going to read the entire Bible in January. Yeah, I, I still don't know how it's possible, but Aaron's been doing it. I'll tell you what Aaron has been doing. Three, four hours a day of reading. But, but what does that mean that Aaron can't do? He's not watching any TV anymore. The funny thing is, he had just got a new TV. That I just, sorry, Aaron, I have to throw it out there because it's hilarious. He had just gotten, he had, had an old TV that was like starting to act up. So he got this nice new TV right about December. And then January 1, he starts to shred, which means you don't have any time to watch TV anymore. And it's amazing. Aaron tells me all the time, his testimony is, man, God has revealed truth and there is almost no struggle with the flesh. There's no space for it. There is no entry for it. He is completely, he's, 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 wearing, he's wearing his armor. He's wearing his spiritual armor, actually. Fully and every day because he's completely grounded in truth. He remains in Jesus every day because his anchor is big right now. It doesn't matter the size of the storm. It doesn't matter the desires of the flesh. He's not getting pulled away because he's firmly anchored. So Hebrews says, therefore, we must pay close attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Find yourself today saying, man, I'm going to firmly find that the goodness of God is, is unbelievable. It's so good. He saved me and set me free from slavery. And then he says, I'm going to help you because I know slaves think like slaves. I'm going to give you a new mind. I'm going to help you renew your mind. I'm going to give you the spirit, the Holy Spirit, and it's going to renew your mind if you let it. Because I'm not a brute. I don't come and dominate, and I'm not a dictator. He is freedom embodied. You know, there's no freedom on earth. We live in America, the freest place on earth, as they say. Man, I, there's more laws being made in the last 10 years than I think existed prior to that. And for some reason, they don't stop. When, whenever they make a new law, they don't take away an old law. It's kind of a weird thing, isn't it? So at the rate of laws being written, you lose freedoms. Well, those laws are meant to keep us safe. Sure they are. Sure they are. Talk to Ben Franklin about that. See what he, he'll have to say to you about laws being written to keep you safe. Jesus is the only place of freedom. It's for freedom he sets you free. Father God, we ask that you would reveal truth to us today. We ask that you would challenge us. Call us deeper, God. May we have an a insatiable desire. Now we'll exchange our insatiable desire for the world and the things of this world and entertainment and all that the world has to offer. We want to exchange that for things of you. Because in you, we have peace, hope, joy. You are 
everything to us, God. So, Father, we repent this morning of having uh, a, a bit of lust of the flesh, God. We, we offer that to you. But, God, we want to offer up any areas that we've fallen short, even though well, we've, we've maybe gotten free from a lot of these things in the flesh. But, man, we have fallen so short in devotion to you, in discipline of seeking your face always and every day, in the reading of Scripture, in a fasting of prayer, God. Reveal that to us. Jesus. Now, if you pray that prayer this morning, I, I need you to pray it. I can pray it. And if you just say amen, that's one thing. But I really need you to pray that prayer for yourself. I need you to believe those words. Because I can't change you. Nobody can change you. You are in charge of you. Father God, help us. God, help me. I need freedom from all these these desires for entertainment and for things of this world. God, may I, be, may I set my mind to the things of the Spirit and live from the Spirit and put to death the desires of the flesh. Jesus, Father God, challenge and charge us. God, we want to have a reunion with you. We want to reunite with you. I want you to stand right now. I want you to stand, and, and uh, I want uh, uh, people to come up. If you want to come up for prayer, prayer team, come up here. Staff, I want you up here. If it's time to have God reveal truth to you, if you're saying, Ryan, I still don't, I'm just not getting anything. This is a good sermon for some, but not for me. I, I ask that you'd come up for prayer. Now, I know that you're probably uncomfortable, but I ask that you'd come for prayer this morning. I ask that you'd walk up here for prayer. Don't hesitate. Come up for prayer. God, I, I pray right now that in Jesus' name that this wouldn't fall on deaf ears, that, that th this would call us deeper. Now, I want you, if, if you're here this morning and you feel challenged by uh, this word, like, man, I, I know God is calling me somewhere deeper than I am. I want you to come up for some prayer. Now, now, I know that should pretty much be most of you, but I really do. Because I find that where two or more are gathered, pulling on my, my anchor here of Scripture, where two or more are gathered, there I will be also, right? Come on, come get some prayer this morning. Father God, we want to go further with you. We want to be sold out to you. We don't want you to be number one. Uh, we want you to be everything. You're the, you're the, you're the, the first and the last. You're the Alpha and the Omega, God. You're the beginning and the end. Jesus, help us in our hearts long for you, ache for you. Spirits, right now I speak to your spirit. Don't be silent anymore. Cry out. I want an, an empty feeling and tell you that, 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 that desire of godliness is fulfilled in Jesus' name. Talk on our hearts today. But for freedom, you've been set free. So freely choose what you will. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been a message from Destiny Church in Springfield, Illinois. To learn more about our ministry, visit the episode description where you can find links to our website, ways to give, and more about who we are. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 podcast, your place for real, relevant relationship. Yeah.